Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Stellaris Emergency Broadcast. My name is Kyle, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Stark. Stark, how you doing? How is Nemesis treating you? <laughs> um, it is cunningly messing me up. <laughs> it's messing you up. How is that? It's, it's very cunningly. Uh, we talked about that, and we're going to talk about it in a minute, but with the crisis, right, derped that up. <laughs> oh, that's true. The crisis is tricky, and I haven't done it. There's a lot to cover. Uh, I, I got to pop in last week because, Stark, you're waiting on your computer coming in, which you now have. Mm -hmm. We're recording on that, yep. so this is lovely. Uh, but in the last one, I just did a quick touch-up with folks going over some of the things that I was excited about with the patch notes they had released. We've now gotten to play for a couple days. I've logged. Actually, Steam is just a click away. How how many hours in the last couple last i checked was 24 so i think you're probably about 32 to 40 hours now oh my friend space has played 39 where where i don't uh <laughs> playtime total i'm at 715 which is a lot so yeah i if space has played about 39 and max played 20 i'm in the middle between the two so i will gladly take the spot at 30 hours uh, that's a lot. That's a lot of nemesis. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know if I slept at all these last couple days, but I really am madly in love. There are some problems going on or concerns within the community about the pops. We know that's happening. We're going to avoid a large pop discussion today because we're aware of it. They're aware of it. We'll get into it just a little bit more, but I don't want to get too terribly in the weeds because I'm still observing myself. I'm observing others. Mm -hmm. I'm watching people on YouTube and their videos about it. And until it all just kind of settles in my brain, I, 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 this is how I feel, Stark. I'm having an absolute ton of fun in the games. And the reduced pop is letting us play way later into the game than before. Because in multiplayer, we would just way lag out. Like, it was just yeah. terrible. So, I know you've gone and you got a new computer in front of you, but... What, do you have any initial thoughts on that? Because, I mean, we're talking, I have about five times less pop towards the end game now, and I, I think that's going to help a ton. Have you seen yeah, anything? I've got a, I have, like, okay, so the new PC came in on Friday, and this, of course, released the day before, so I did spend some time playing it on the old rig before switching over. And, yeah, I did notice performance increase, but I was also in the early game when the pop growth doesn't get out of control. Right. Um, so I started up that game. I spun up that game, and I got uh, probably, I think I got to mid-game, but I didn't really have time to play beyond that. So not the point when pops really start choking the game, but it was the point where that rig would start to suffer a little bit, and I noticed less. That's absolutely um, wonderful. New rig is just butter smooth on everything, so I, I cannot tell. <laughs> If, that's it's, fair. if that's an improvement or if it's new hardware, because it's literally going from a, I think it was a Gen 3 to a Gen 10 i7 processor. It's like, it's going to have an effect. Gorgeous. I mean, what a great time to yeah. get it to, because I mean, you're, you're mm -hmm. having this wonderful content land in your lap right as you get it gets here. So uh, when it comes to my experience with it, with very like, uh, keep in mind, we do some modded play, but we also understand game mechanics and how to min-max things. So none of this is an attack on the game in any way, shape or form. If I know how to break the system and I continuously do it, that's a bit of my own fault, right? We, mm -hmm. we always go out of our way to seek harder challenges though. Uh, what was going on before is we would get into these situations where I would wind up with about 5,000 or so pops within my empire alone. That number, I think I've seen as high as close to 10, and that's 10,000, that's just absurd. Uh, the game yeah. to be processing that for one empire with two other humans in a map is just way, way too much. I yeah. 
do not understand this S curve well enough for it to be easy for me as a 700 hour player to get, let alone to imagine explaining it to someone that really isn't sure that they're into the game yet and they're, they're struggling. That's why this podcast exists though. That's why you and I are here. We found that helping each other in this Dolores reaps great rewards. But this is one of those systems that went from something fairly simple that caused problems to something that is now more complicated and reduces them. Yeah. The, the ends kind of justify the means. But mm-hmm. go ahead, I'm, please. I'm also a little worried with it because like now that we've had some time to mess around with it and started looking at the math mm-hmm. um, and having actually now seen the S-curve on population growth, I'm actually a little afraid that now that we know how to start, start to break it over our knee, it's going to guess right back where we were i like on the population level yeah well because the fundamental game rules that led us to want to have that many pops haven't changed you are absolutely right and 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 i would like to hear more of that but i want to add something really quickly before and that is that though we know how as humans to break the pop Mm -hmm. thing now the ai does does not so in fact we have made what was exploitable in maybe like a more linear way, we've made it like an exponential uh, thing. So I would like to hear more about that in just a second, if you could, about why pops are still king. Uh, But also to tease people that I found that the nihilistic acquisition ascension (laughs) perk right now is extraordinarily fun, but it is very broken and that you can steal hundreds and hundreds of people into your empire. Uh, and we'll go into that because there, there's a reason I think it should actually exist that way for right now for people that have a hard time clicking around with like physical disabilities with their hands and stuff like me. But uh, before that, Stark, what do you can you tell us just in summary why people should be trying to gather a billion population? Yeah, it's so anything you want to do in Stellaris. Yeah, anything. It's going to come down to the amount of pops you have access to. Um, if you want to make starships, you need alloys. To make alloys, you need minerals. To get minerals, you need pops. Like, you'll get some. You can get your, your minerals specifically from, you know, out from uh, mining stations. But even to get to that point, you're already having to make your construction ships. Yeah. Your construction ships are based on resources you got with pops. Once you get past that, if you want food that comes from pops, if you want influence that comes from your pops, ironically, because, again, we're looking back at stuff like the faction system, which is based on your population, for anything you're doing, even the limited stuff, it's based on your population. And for anything that's not uh, limited, so influence was a bad example in this sense, but for anything that's not limited, including unity, including research, it's all going to come back to your population. And the more you have... The more resources you have, the more research you have, the more of a tech advantage you have, the further you are along the chain and the closer you are to being able to everyone. Um, and I think you were right. Like the AI doesn't know how to really game that system as been coded to. And because those fundamental game rules haven't been changed, it's actually now even more advantageous because you can now start to snowball if you know what to do to mess with the, uh, with the population growth curve. So it's like, I get what they were going for, and I think late game we're going to find that it does reduce galactic population significantly, but I don't think it's going... I don't know how much it's going to affect or whether this is just going to function as an AI nerf once people actually learn how to start cheesing around the system. 
I fear, I fear. Oh, and the worst part is it's not, I, I don't want people out there to feel bad about the quote cheesing <laughs> around the system either because we are talking about something that the game very much allows to get nihilistic acquisition, to park a fleet over a planet and just to steal all the pops off of that world is very much permitted by the game. It's just terribly out of focus with this new thing. So I, I'm going to shoot myself in the foot here for a second, but I, I would say at the at minimum nihilistic acquisition needs to like steal less of the population if they're committed to this current system. I would say, though, understand I'm having a great time in Nemesis, but mm -hmm. I do not think this pop thing is the fix by any means. This does seem to be yeah. an almost offensive Band-Aid. Like, it really is a jagged pill for some people to swallow because it just, it doesn't exactly make total sense. It's it's just, I think we have something in here written, it's obtuse, and I think that's yeah. well said. It is obtuse. Um I don't thoroughly understand now, like building uh, the cloning factories that I used to for my my hive mines. Those are extremely expensive at thirty food now to run. They're not useful. Like yeah, they're not really okay. So the very short version is that there's a sliding multiplier that gets attached to across the board to your pop growth um, based on number of pops in your, your empire, number of pops on that planet, and some other factors. And so all of those, all the growth modifier abilities, like whether it's that, whether it's your technologies directly, um, I think even policies and racial traits, it's scaled on that. Yeah. So they will become proportionally more important. But when we're talking about a difference between you're just getting crushed under by having low pop growth because the system is starting to crank you down versus when you're really just pumping pops out because you have high planetary capacity at the doesn't feel like this is as important because it's like, oh, hey, here's 10% when a base game mechanic is now applying a, a six modifier. Yeah. I hate, I hate that I always, I always come to games and I always look at the system and I'm like, this is broken, this is broken. And I'm mm -hmm. always asking for fixes to things that I know are not very easy to fix. I do recognize, and I think they recognize per some of their communications around this, this big update, I think they recognize what we talked about with cognitive load, that Stellaris mm -hmm. is becoming, dare I say, burdensome in some ways. Oh, in many ways, actually. A lot of it is UI related, which is kind of what I want to talk about a bit next. This is my argument, uh, IRL human physical body, like caring for yourself. Why, why nihilistic acquisition? An example of why it shouldn't be nerfed in its current state. And that is, I found a terrible discrepancy in the game when it comes to voting power. Nemesis mm. is all about the galactic community. And we, in my expansion the other day, in my, my huge amount of hours, were trying to vassalize and tributary neighbors to cut down on maintenance. So instead of me expanding out my empire, we will just vassalize them, which basically puts a leash on the AI, and they are set to obey you, apparently. So says the text. It says they'll become... The theory. Yeah. They'll uh, lose their autonomy and start working for you. Now... Even at a loyal stage, they would vote against me on the council, which is really not great if you're, again, trying to play the billboard that is, uh, you know, becoming the, the Imperium and all that jazz. 
I don't know what I was in the middle of ranting. Stark, Stark cut me off with a, a an interesting topic. He was going to say that I, I was being too harsh on, on the system, which was a fair defense. However, this is explicitly in the game text. So when they say that it loses autonomy, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. That means exactly that. And if the game's firing it off in a different way, that means the game is not working as intended. Now, that means either the, the quest writers got it wrong or the dev crew got it wrong, but someone in there needs to sort it out, which gets back to the point that we need a lot more clarity in the UI. Because as this game expands in these glorious, wonderful, um, power fantasy thematic ways, it is still incurring more and more and more of a cognitive burden on you. Downside yeah. being that they're not doing anything in a meaningful order to keep up with it. Now we got a little bit. I will say I really, really love the uh, we had this up here earlier in the notes, but the the auto research feature that comes into the game <laughs> later is gorgeous. That's absolutely wonderful. It still needs help. So don't let it go. There's things in there where it like tries to repeat texts that are irrelevant to you. And it it needs like a blacklist feature to be added. Um, but they've also done great work on that outliner as well. So <laughs> bit of a mixed bag. They introduced more trouble. And and I guess to also to clean up that thought, because I think that was cut off in the middle. So you want your vassals to be voting for you, but they get on the council and vote the opposite way. That's a problem. We need a way to tackle that. They either should be completely abstaining and not be a voting participant at all, or they should always vote for you as their leader. I think you had an interesting one before, Stark, which was something about maybe giving options uh, within mm -hmm. the game. Is that right? Yeah, have uh, council policies where it's like either they um, vassals and protectors get removed, or if they stay on the council, like then they they function as proxies for you. It would be. Like, I don't think you could really easily in the mechanic and the uh, not mechanics in the setup have it so you could assign them to oppose you for whatever reason because there's no real value in that. But mm -hmm. definitely having the ability to sort of cast their votes as proxies. That I, I think there's a lot to be said about that. Yeah. So it just it's a system that again it it doesn't work as intended, which is troubling because it is the billboard for this one. So I really hope they get in there and f really hot fix that one quickly. I don't even know if they consider it an issue. But again, I would say it's uh, almost I I'd go so far as to potentially call it a game breaking bug for their their billboard thing. And yeah, I don't being able yeah. to subjugate empires is supposed to be part of uh, one of the crisis routes, I think. It definitely okay. thematically fits the idea, yeah. right? Like, I mean, well, I, it can also happen. It happens with the fallen empire crisis, which is which seems to be what this one is emulating, where it's like you're becoming a sort of you're not becoming an extra galactic force coming in. You're sort of following in the same footsteps as the war in heaven route. So those do allow the fallen empires to vassalize. So like, it, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I'm, I guess I'm very confused why the vassals have the ability to vote. I did see people on the forums, you know, having concern about uh, in the past, because I guess this is way larger than this, just this update. But I, I guess people have been concerned that, you know, if they all vote for you, you'd have too much power. Though mm -hmm. ultimately, isn't that the point that like you've sent out your militaries, you've conquered them, they now work for you. So your word is law. And the fact that they vote against you becoming like the custodian of the galaxy or something <laughs> is very, very bizarre. If I don't understand the system, folks, please let me know. If there's some way to get around it, absolutely let me know. Um, but my the TLDR, because we got a little off track there, but the, the thing about the, the nihilistic acquisition is 
If you're someone that cannot physically manage to uh, to absorb half of a large galaxy map and maintain it yourself, we don't have tools currently to maintain the diplomatic power you would get from that kind of power trip. So right now, nihilistic acquisition kind of lets you do it. You get to play an imperial that's sending their people, you know, over over to different countries and you're invading and taking them and bringing them aboard. Uh but yeah, we need we need some more automation on that front. Now, Stark, have you yeah. played with any of the new automation tools they've been adding in? Because there's a lot more than I just mentioned there. I've been fighting with the POP job automation system, basically, oh. since the new patch. But that's... Um, I haven't actually gotten the automation for technology. Like, I I noticed where the technology was, and I was trying to avoid uh-huh. unleashing AIs in the galaxy. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just step back from that but that's the only my only concern about the tech automation is that it is gated behind or at least if it's random i saw it gated behind um the full-on ai research like the red banded ai research oh okay i was thinking this was just like buried somewhere in the administrative ais no it, it's the actual artificial intelligence that can go sentient uh in and doing that one won't make it all bad right i i don't no, play with okay because I was going to say that I wouldn't won't. be great if that was locked there. That would be a little um, rough. So sort of the, the lit, not even litmus test, the sort of random impression I've always had on the red banded text is just like that they contribute to the chance of that crisis happening. Not that it's like, oh, you took this. Now you're doomed. I've never had anything bad happen from red banded tech myself. I get I do see what you're saying that it's like once this tech is out there, it is tied to like a certain crisis happening, I suppose. But I guess as yeah, as Gestalt consciousness, very few of them have directly impacted me in the past. Yeah, this does and go it's back also- very quickly. Pardon me. This goes back to the fact that with how bad the pops were before, we didn't always play to the end because it got too laggy. Mm-hmm. So like for the first time ever as a play group online, we got uh through and beat the ghost signal together because we just usually you know threw our hands up in despair like we'd sunk many hours in but it got too slow yeah yeah and i was going to say like that's the other thing is it's entirely possible the red banded text uh technologies are just placebos because again i've not i've played to end game a couple of times but Mm -hmm. i'd run into the same performance issues even in solo play and a lot of that was i was running on a very old system so Yeah, I don't have a lot of experience with which crisis pops up when, because those usually happen around the time of performance would completely degrade. That's understandable. Uh, very, very understandable. So it is a balance. It's it's true. Yeah, it's a balance. And that's why I don't know where to fall down on all this stuff yet. Like, I do not want it all to come off as a naysayer here. Because this expansion is beyond worth it. Like, it's really, really great. Lots of fun. But, I mean, again, there are things that need adjusted to put this in a really sweet spot. I think this is a very brutal expansion to come to and reap benefits from Mm -hmm. if you are not already a veteran. I would say that for sure. Nemesis, to me, very much feels like an endgame player's expansion. Um, Yeah. And that, you know, there's a lot to be said. I mean, of course, then this is not their first year of development. So they are a mature group working on mature projects there. Uh, but I will add that it just there's very little handholding to the systems that this expansion focuses on. And I think it's kind of going 
to become a problem, or at least I could see where it is hitting some folks wrong. But in answer to your question, no, I haven't messed with the research automation yet. No, I was just asking in general uh, with any of them. Um, the other automation tools I've used, um, it's mostly been population management. I've tried a little bit with the governors, but I tend to be way too hands-on with that. Like, it's, if the planet is doing something, or if one of my planets is doing something, I tend to go in and, and tinker. So I tend not to leave automation running on that. Um, one thing I do tend to automate and just let run in the background is the science ships searching. Like when they're doing their self-explore mm-hmm, trick. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think it's been improved. It could just be, I, I know this is a sort of an unrelated issue. Like the hyperlanes are kind of weird with this update. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm not really sure how else to explain it. They, they structure in very strange ways from prior experience of how the galaxy tends to generate. And the the science ships are actually really good about picking where they should be going most of the time when it's not like, oh, I have a system right there that I need to grab because I'm sure that the system you're going for is not in danger of being picked up by anybody. But yeah, no, I think that's that's actually working really well. They're, those are prioritizing very nicely. But I think that's the only automation I'm really engaging with right now. Definitely pick up that tech one because that is a game changer when you get it. Uh, for for people that grind out the end game techs, you know that there's very little joy in picking your thirtieth shield upgrade. To yeah, it's 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 a blessing to have that. Uh, again, I think that one could use help from some blacklist features to tell it you don't want to go a certain route. Uh, yeah. Tell it text you want it to avoid going. So it needs to get a little bit smarter than it is before it is like a really good one. But it is there, I think. It 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 definitely accomplishes its goal. The outliner comes to mind as a big one that I've I've very much enjoyed the changes that I can have my fleet at the top. Uh, I can have my planets towards the bottom. Still lacking a lot of the customization I was hoping for, though. And maybe some of this comes down to me not knowing. I thought we were going to be able to sort things alphabetically, but I didn't see a way to do that and maybe that was in my head but that makes me sad it might have been in one of the ui previews but then wasn't in there i'm not sure i swore (sighs) you and i talked about i don't know if it was just our wishful thinking list but i I do like i'm not sure either turning on i thought it was there in the options i really do turning on the planetary icons is really helpful that's great if you yeah, if you don't um if you don't already do that, you absolutely should. It will show you all the times the planets don't automatically pick the right thing. So that's oh, amazing. Yeah. You'll go in there and see uh that they're all set to all kinds of craziness and I, I go back through and fix it all. And truly having that icon there makes a world of difference. <laughs> Let's see what else we want to get into. I think I think espionage is a, a great topic to come up. Because this yeah. one uh, has me feeling a bit lukewarm. Uh, let me just tack on one last thing, because we did bring up the Imperium a second ago. I, I do want to say that system I'm in love with. We'll spend more time on that in the future as I as I do it for a second time. I got through it once, and it was great. I, I wanted to compliment them on having specific text to things like Hive Minds, because that's nice. It was really cool to become like the overmind of the universe or something like that. Um, oh, and another UI suggestion there before we talk about espionage, which is consider adding a Senate length slider to the game start menu, because there's things like the ability to turn down how much text cost out there. I think it would make a lot of sense for players to have control over how 
how much time passes in the Senate. Even yeah, with the pop mods, some people's computers are still not going to be able to go to late game. And the fact that the Imperium doesn't really come into play until like 2400-ish can make it, you know, a little bit much for some folks. I was going to say, like, the, the Senate's always been a little bit of a cognitive load issue for me, where it's like, there's a lot of stuff there in the queue. There's always a lot of stuff there in the queue. It takes a long time to start getting through it. It's not a first-in, first-out system. Um, stuff mm -hmm. that gets added gets prioritized, and I've, I've never been sure exactly how. Oh. And so it's been a system where it's like, I've never engaged heavily with it, and with a now with an a, a DLC that's really heavily focusing on it, it's like, yeah, I think if nothing else, being able to tweak some of the elements, especially the length of the sessions, would be a huge boon. If anyone would like a crash course on that in the future, I would I would be happy to give a crash course on how to how to manipulate the the council. Um, to to answer that question or the comment you made very briefly, Stark, as as far as I know, the only thing that really modifies where things are in the queue is how much diplomatic weight is like vested in it at that moment. That can mean pro or a you know con. So blue thumbs up or red thumbs down. Either way, will elevate it on the list. If you abstain, it kind of deflates it and it sinks down lower. Now, if there's other modifiers behind the scenes, I don't know. But that does seem to be kind of the, the subtext to this expansion, which is there's a lot going on in the code. <laughs> yeah, that, that actually makes a lot more sense than I thought. Because every time I've looked at it, I sort of had the impression it had to do with the standing of the, the original sponsor moving stuff around. But I think, yeah, if it's just, you know, up or down, like the overall weight that's already been pre-applied, then that explains a lot. And it's also why it looks like it's a little random. The standing that you mentioned a second ago makes sense, though, too. That is relevant because if they, you know, if I submit that to the council as a proposal and um, uh, let's say I lose my fleet, which will reduce my diplomatic weight a lot, uh, that would then sink the whole proposal further down the list. Yeah. So... I don't know, though, if the originator has more power to it or not. That would be an interesting one. Uh, but again, yeah, I don't even know where you begin to find those details. That stuff would be heck I think you'd have to start digging through the actual data files. No, thanks. Sorry. <laughs> I, I will give my best constructive feedback I can here. Because, again, this is all it is all getting me happy and having fun. Like I'm having a blast playing for tons of hours, but little tweaks. Okay, about, so you want to talk about espionage? Yeah, do you you want to lead this one? Because I am, like I said, Mr. Lukewarm, and I have not done enough with it yet. I really like it, but it's got two parts. One of them is not very uh, not very active, but oddly satisfying when it actually kicks through. And the other half is kind of more busy work. So the first part is you apply an envoy to various nations, I think the various empires around you, or anywhere really, that you've discovered they exist. And then gradually your envoy that you've assigned as a spy master will collect information and gather intelligence, and you'll get a more and more complete picture of the, the map. And this will even get you access to information you wouldn't have had before, like being able to track their military fleets, even when they're out of sensor range. Um, the other part is the operations, and this is, uh, I think they compared it to the um, archaeology system, and it is very similar. It's usually you assign an asset, so you have to collect an asset through this system, 
And the first asset you grab, actually probably the first several, are going to have to be done without actually having an asset to run it. So um, I remember you ran into this, you were looking at it, it was like it's hell difficulty, and you're like, well, what am I doing wrong? Did I wait too long? It's like, no, the first couple are always going to be incredibly difficult to get simply because you don't have anybody to help collect them. Mm-hmm. But once you've got some assets in place, then you can start running operations and... The, the operations list itself, like your options, are fairly limited. Um, you can do things like gather more intelligence. You can do things like recruit more assets. Um, smear campaign will let you manipulate uh, relationships between two empires, like one, the empire you're running the campaign towards another empire, which can be you. Um, there is one where it's you sabotage a starbase. There's one where you can arm rebels. There's one where you can uh, steal technology. And it's functional, but for the amount of time and energy it takes to actually get these going, uh, they just don't appeal that much. So like you're talking about being lukewarm. This is kind of where I end up on this. Like, It's not bad. The operations list is not terrible. And it does sort of strike a balance where if I've got another player in multiplayer or an AI running these against me, I'm not going to be really pissed off if they succeed. But at the same time, it's it does make the system feel a little anemic when you're, you know, on the offense. It does sort of cut down on the, I can be this, you know, sneaky empire that watches everything around me and spies on everybody because you can't do that. And that's the other major hiccup I've got with this, which is it uses the same envoy system as the Galactic Council, your Federation, and your diplomatic standing shifts, uh, either trying to improve or harm relations with another empire. So, this is another drain on where you want to put your envoys. And yeah, it makes sense that you don't want every player to have the option to just infiltrate endlessly on all adjacent empires. It does sort of hurt it where it's like, I am having to decide between trying to keep the AI from scuttling this federation through stupid decisions or having the ability to actually engage in this spy fantasy. So it's, I like it when it works and the basic infiltration is actually really, really cool when you actually get up there in the tree, but operation system is is a little underwhelming. I would echo that. I mean, now, uh, yeah, I I went into this saying I'm always a bit shy of spying in all games. So Stolars, you know, that, that, that I'm leaving, trying to leave as much baggage as I can at the door. I can absolutely hear your concern about the envoy system that also, everyone cringes, that one also needs another UI update because this envoys are, are now a very, very, very popular resource because from spying to keeping your empire folks in check so they're loyal, all of those things require envoys. Mm-hmm. The UI for the envoys has not changed and that's depressing or sad or it just doesn't make for a great experience. One thing that's really challenging for me is that there's no sort of uh, customization feature in there. So I could have an envoy sent to Schmooze Stark at the top of the list, but there could also be an envoy at the bottom of the list who is harming relations with him. And I use this example of not knowing because this happened to me not long ago that I, I couldn't see them all. Like you have to scroll through that list, right? And it doesn't really make it obvious. It doesn't stack them together. Like again, if there's two envoys on you, it doesn't carry and it'll put all the other people in between. So 
not being able to see who's doing what. I had one that was harming and hurting relations at the same time in another game. Uh, yeah, it's a little, little, little backwards, a little, little, little on the on the nose there. Uh, now, I, I don't know if that was a glitch and that shouldn't have happened to begin with. It seems like the game should have said no to that. But it does concern me that it's really hard to keep tabs on them. And we're talking about games where we're now getting upwards of 13 envoys without employing mods to get you there. That's a lot to kind of manage through a list that I think is meant to show you three to four by default. Yeah, I, I'm not even sure if it's supposed to show you four. I think it starts scrolling at three, doesn't it? You might be right. I, in my head, it's... But but I also play with a little UI extender mod. So where mine looks like it would fit four comfortably, it, yeah, it may only be for three in the OG stuff. Yeah, it's... Needs a fix. And I, it does. I don't object to the envoys in general. No. I do... The, the implementation for them is a little peculiar because on one hand, the game presents them sort of like any other leaders or like scientists, like generals, like admirals, like governors. Um, but they don't seem to have traits, or at least if they do, I've never been able to find them. And those, the envoys are basically uh, interchangeable. So you don't actually yeah. go and recruit an envoy. As soon as an envoy dies, a new one is immediately tasked in to replace them doing the exact same thing the previous one was. And I think their level actually affects how well they can do whatever they've been tasked to do. But there is this really sort of automated, they just immediately roll over. And it, it feels weird to then say, well, the Envoy is actually a character that matters when we have basically no UI interaction with them outside of when we're assigned. Mm, very well and said. We were, actually, we were actually joking about the Envoy deaths like the other night because like, they'll just die. And it's like, okay, I have no idea who that was. Right, because I mean, you don't um, get to know them or have any connection with them in any way. <laughs> it's I don't object to the system. I do think envoys, you know, ironically, I think if it was a leadership position like the others, I know this is this would be more cognitive uh, strain, but if it was a leadership position like the others, if it wasn't gated by, you know, having to collect them from various sources, but straight up just like it was treated like any other leader, and they had their own areas of expertise, I think that would make it a lot. I think that make the entire system a lot more palatable. Not just the um, the espionage system, but the way they're getting pulled in so many different directions. I think you're right on the money there. I, I really do. I think getting um, you know kind of a leadership position for that would be really really cool. This is ultimately going to leave me giving one uh, one huge kind of list of demands, if you will. I don't mean to put it that way, but I really think that they need to put their UI first before anything else before. And I know that won't be the case because I know they have, you know, deadlines to hit and sales to make, but before jam packing the game with more stuff, I, I think they need to look at actually killing the UI as in like fully potentially murder it and, and restart for, for this sort of thing. That's uh, an extremely large bill of goods, but they have defeated it. It doesn't keep up anymore. It, it It's, fallen behind well over a year ago but it literally doesn't display the information that's needed um they've made some minor changes here and there but I, I i guess the way to do it in the future would be kind of frankenstein it together where every update comes with a completely fresh aspect of the ui in some way shape or form like this one should have brought in in my opinion a big sweeping envoy overhaul and probably even included i know this is just tons of stuff on the plate but probably should have had the vassals and stuff in there too because these aren't systems working in a vacuum but instead systems that are completely dependent on one another tough bill of goods the one thing that we did get a ui update and that's the one thing we haven't seen yet is the um, cri become the crisis 
So. Right. Yeah, I know. Sadly, the one thing that got its own unique, like, and I mean, I guess uh, the Envoy system got something, but that's kind of a rehash of the archaeology system, if we will. So mm -hmm. that one's not yeah, it's actually, radical. So that's actually a system that works very well. Yes, it is. Um, that was that. a new, yeah, that was a new one with ancient relics. And that UI component works really well. It drops in. You can see what's going on. You can see process. Um, and they've used it, you know, they've used it twice because they've used it with the operation system. It's one of the best parts about it. And it's been used with the first contact system, which is absolutely fantastic. So like if, we're, if it sounds like we're harping on stuff, like the first contact system is amazing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, it's not this huge game changer for everything, but it makes first contact with aliens a lot more interesting. And it's actually a really cool system. Uh, it's a really cool addition. You know what? I take my mm -hmm, mm -hmm back. I don't I don't know that I agree, actually. I was more excited for that than the impl implementation of it. I, I don't notice it. Um, so so for me, it chafes me uh, not not chafes way too strong of a word. Actually, it it is I'm not used to sending it my envoys, but that's not the end of the world. I'm, I'm easy to, to do that. But it discourages me from using the system. And this gets back to the whole issue we talked about before, which is that Stellaris right now has way too breakable of a pathway in the game. And I think that along with the UI both need that shift at the same time, uh, which kind of redefines the meta. And it seems that they're already on that task. They already are on this path. So yeah, like you said, when it sounds like we're harping, it's only because we're like already in this courtyard. Like that's already the conversation on the table. This expansion oh. to me is totally worth the money. But again, I think that there are large aspects of it that get hidden and embedded. And I think that's one of them is that I do not need the first contact system as it stands. I can just yeah, live just, my life happily without it. I mean, it's not good. Uh, having said what I said, though, I also stopped and realized why it's not working. Part of why it's not working for you, because again, mm. I'll sit there in single player, and I, when it pops up, I'll pause it and I'll read it, and like, it's some entertaining story that plays out. Like, there's a couple of different variations. I don't, I don't think I've seen about five or six different distinct ones for player for um, player grade empires. And yeah, if you're playing in multiplayer and you're clicking through stuff, it's it is just going to be busy work. You know, sign an envoy, tick through this stuff, yeah. and basically all you're doing. Is for an influence payout, which was the same thing as before, um, except now it's got extra steps because before it was just you start a project and hope you get it done before the other player so you can get influence. Now it's this whole chain that keeps popping up. Um, the writing is actually really good with them. There's a couple of fun little quirks. There's a whole thing that sort of tells this little procedurally generated narrative that is actually really nice, but that's one that ends up more in the range of if you're playing alone and you can pause and you can take time to soak. Further than that, I think I think we have to caveat that and say that's if you're someone that's a big reader too, though. You yeah, know, because we talked about this off air before, or in, even in the start of that one episode, is we kind of distilled it beyond just pausing. That some of these issues mm -hmm. come down to like if you're if you're kind of into the RP of it, which. Yeah, I'd say I, I'm not really. I'm not a big quest reader in games. I, I just like to do my thing and, and have fun with it, which does admittedly shrink it down. Now, I don't want to make that system sound bad, but I do mean it to come across as it's very ignorable to a degree I did not expect. And that's where it almost strikes me as weird. Um, I actually did expect a little bit more engagement on my part. So uh, when I'm dropping an envoy on it, and like you said, it pops up and it pops up and it pops up, 
I don't feel like I have much meaningful input in those pop-ups. Now, that's not to say go back and like rework on this. I think that system is firing pretty darn well. But to me, I guess it just lacked a real hook to it. And that might always get implemented in the future. But as it stands, I learn like one or two people and then I don't touch the system unless I find like, um, you know, like little hidden empires within my own borders, which will usually like curators. And then I'll talk to them. Yeah. And what can happen is some of them do actually have branching paths. Um, This is kind of a it's a procedural story generation thing or modular story generation thing. You'll see in a lot of games where you've got two paths or you've got two or three paths that are offered to you, they're all going to head in basically the same direction uh, because as a writer, when you're trying to put this stuff together, it's a lot easier to have a single linear narrative and then just sort of loop out a little bit and come back in. And there is certainly an element of that, but there is some, there are some moments of choice where it's like, you know, you have this piece of information. How do you try to interact with the, the alien race? I remember one where it's, you find out that they have a very idiomatic, heavy, um, narrative as their high speak, like their their pop or they're not pop culture, they're um, high culture and for official context and diplomacy, like they use this, but it's very obtuse and very difficult to figure out what's being said because you don't have cultural context. And then there's a sort of low speak, which is associated with not being that sharp or not being that serious, and you're you're actually tasked like if you try to go and you're like let's emulate the high speak and it's like here are three options and it's like i have no idea what any of these mean or you go back and you go like okay we'll do the low speak and you take a uh actually take a a hit to their opinion of you Mm. on first contact but you can safely communicate with them so that's it's an interesting decision um that gets put in front of you but again if you're not there for the role play you're not there to read and experience a story and participate in it that's not going to do anything for you. It's just going to be like, oh, hey, here's a here's a new way to get messed over. But hmm. um, yeah, I think, I think in, in intention, it's a really good system. Um, but if it's if you're just playing it to engage in the strategy and you don't care about uh, the don't care about the story that it's trying to offer, yeah, I can see where it just gets in your way. Yeah, so I I would just give it like I mean if I were just given a report card I'd say it's something like a B. Um, I'm like it's it's fine, it's good, it it doesn't really excite me per se. I like having it though. Let me put it that way. I'm happier with it than without it for sure. I do love not seeing the entire galaxy for sure. I did think that I was going to get I think a bit more strategy out of it, which again were expectations on my part, which is why I don't really want to ding it uh, in any meaningful way. I, 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 like I said, I do think it can be lived without. And that's what scares me. Cause again, when I was hearing you talk, just as you were wrapping that up, all I could think of was Stellaris has unfortunately presented one meta, which is spawn into the game, go to your neighbors, steal all the pops, win the game. Full stop. <laughs> you don't need to bother with anything else. That's it. And that's unfortunate because until that is fixed, until that like very realistic play style has like a, a, a valve put on that, um, it blows the need for neighbors out of the water. I mean, actually, the game would be harder if you didn't have neighbors because you'd have less food to eat, which is not the way the game is supposed to. Like, that's I don't think the mindset you're supposed to have unless you're a devouring swarm uh, or driven assimilators, you know, like everyone else is supposed to be like, 
I want to respect my neighbors and fear them and, you know, maybe like have guarded relations. It's like nowadays, no, you just go and steal, steal, steal. They are factory farms waiting to be plundered. So I guess until that gets fixed, it makes my brain have a really hard time of putting scaling values uh, on some of these newer features. And I'm really yeah. glad you got me to that point of realization because I'm going to think about that when I'm playing later. You're talking about eating people? About how much of the systems have they've accidentally blown out of the water and kind of made like... Yeah. Because it's a balance. It's... They don't want you to play everything at once, right? You're supposed to try different things. And that's where I think it gives them some latitude. But I think it, it slid with the pop cap uh, unintentionally. Yeah. Not, uh, anything that really directly moves pop cap pops around. Like just immediately spawns them in for you. Yeah. Or I guess, yeah, anything that moves them. Yeah. Is much more powerful than it used to be. So the, um, oh God, uh, the Ascension, not the Ascension perk, the tradition that just immediately spawns an additional pop when you're pulling them right. out, uh, or when you're settling it, not when you're pulling out, when you're setting up, setting up a colony, that's more powerful. Um, what is it? It's calamitous birth where you can throw rocks and just like dig your people out of the rubble after your colony rock lands. Uh, there's that's a more powerful. Glitch with that where actual non lithoids get spawned, like when you slam the rock. Oh into <laughs> you I can have believe that happens. Gushy popping out of there. And, yeah. Oh man, that's so great. But yeah, like that's that's a thing. Um, nihilistic acquisition, which is nihilistic acquisition before this was was actually pretty strong. Yeah, right? like you you see the numbers. But it was not a situation where it's like, oh, this is really, really powerful to the point that it's it's going to be attractive, even if this isn't my play style. Because, yeah, you could you could sit down, you can just like slurp off a uh, hundred people onto your ship and head back. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, free labor. But now, yeah, that's a really significant number, especially mid to late game, especially at the point when you start looking at your Ascension perks and going, well, I've got an unspent perk. I don't have something I immediately need. So yeah, that's actually, that's another one where the, the change to pops, it serves as an AI nerf. It makes it harder to get them, but a lot of the tools that people already had that were not as attractive have been, have become much more attractive. Yeah. Uh, all, all of this hardship, by the way, in this episode, if anyone's listening, they're like, this is, I, ho I hope it hasn't been hard for anyone to listen to because we're trying to put out their legitimate concerns in a way that is constructive with, you know, ideas for solutions of, of why it needs to be addressed. A lot of this stuff, I think, is just because it could hinder um, new players coming into the game and not understanding things. And um, to that degree, Sark, this is a really weird one. Uh, we can talk about this in a future episode. But to illustrate this point, uh, I had a pop up the other day about how, oh, it was the ball one, um, the 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 progenitor sort of thing the ancestors you're you're going around and and that one spawns you like a Gaia you can turn a world into a Gaia world and it puts some of the pops mm -hmm. turns the pops into these certain things for you so yeah. when you do it as a high mind and you press the button uh, there's one that says great they'll be slaves which should turn them into a a livestock thing <laughs> so you press that button and the quest log goes away it does not update the thing in the game for you on the planet. So effectively, they will stay as undesirables unless you have other settings made in the game, but it will not manually override them. Therefore, if you were a player that didn't know to check your planet, it could easily wipe one of your worlds out of existence in the background of the game. And you wouldn't know why. You told the game to do it correctly, but the game didn't follow through and it didn't alert you that you needed to do extra work on your behalf. 
And that, my friends, I hope serves as a great example of how one could very easily, with a flick of one decision, destroy, you know, a 60 or so pop colony in the background of their game just because they're dealing with something else pressing at the time, thinking that the game is following through on its own words. And that's where it all comes back to for me is I think the, there's a lot of UI dishonesty that's happening, to put it in a funny way. The UI is telling yeah. us many lies and we must hold it accountable for its crimes. <laughs> it's my well, issue with Imperium. Yeah. Okay. I like it in the, not the UI. I like the systems mm-hmm. with stuff like uh, edicts and policies are the two that I'm thinking of specifically. Also, uh, species rights. Like, this is some really cool stuff, but it does just straight up take some time to sit down and, and configure this stuff the way you want it. And if you're going to change it mid-game for whatever reason, like it takes time to go through and find all the pieces you need to move. And if you make a mistake, um, I actually did this this game where I was I set some set a uh, couple of races to the wrong uh, income mm-hmm. style or you know, living standards. Sorry, not income style. Wrong. I was like, okay, well, I can't fix that for ten years. Well, it's great that it's there. I love that the system's there. But it is a it's a buried UI. Um, that's mm-hmm. the that's the UI issue. Like it's it's not that the system doesn't work, it's that the UI is deep enough that you get pushed to crush depth. Yeah. You know? I I think you and I will be talking about this UI stuff, especially once we start mm-hmm. getting into a kind of tutorial series, which we want to start opening up now that we have Nemesis in our hands, we'll let the dust settle. We'll let more hot fixes come through. Because I do want to acknowledge their team has been very good at communicating these decisions. They have been very good about communicating the update cycle and why they want to get these hot fixes out there. Um, they say, they're, I'm literally looking at this, they say, uh, I want to briefly touch on the aspect of the big economic rework we've done to improve the game, including the pop growth rebalancing. Please continue to give us constructive feedback and keep your messages civil, but don't spam random threads with hateful comments. Those will not be tolerated. We are continually uh, continuously collecting your feedback and it'll make uh, the tweaks to the game and the complex systems, you know, all the easier in the future. So what I'm getting at there and reading that out, they are paying attention. They are, are looking. Please, again, keep all the hateful vitriol to yourself. Actually, better yet, use the insult button in game to send them to your enemies and just go eat them. Because, again, that's the meta. I broke it. I broke the game. I don't know what to do with myself now. Go eat them. Um, Leave good feedback, though. Tell them what things are working or what are not. The same for your modder friends. Be very polite to them. I saw a great meme floating around teaching people how to politely give feedback to uh, modders because everyone runs over there and demands thinking these guys get paid or something to do this work. They do not. And, uh, yeah. Just, just be very kind to the folks that are that are working on this stuff. That being said, uh, uh, one ask to the modders out there: this is a good, this is a good counter ask. Steam is not a very good platform for receiving updates. It will update one player's game and not necessarily the other two's that it might be playing together. Specifically, talking about my game group. Be cautious. There's a specific mod out there that likes to hotfix to the point of. It's almost a it's a it's a kind of a running joke, but it's actually a problem. And to that, I would say, please, 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 when possible, pick up a a cycle for those releases. 
because it can break people's games in an actually like bad way. So I, I've seen a little vitriol thrown at some of those modders. And in that case, I'm not saying anyone should be mean, but there is a happy balance in the middle. So modders, please be careful. Understand not everyone gets your updates when you put it on Steam at the same time. So that can break people's games. Keep friends separate. Um, to the people out there, be very polite. These are folks doing you a, a service and uh, helping out the development of this game that we all love. 700 plus hours of start it is great any thoughts like it is really great. <laughs> yeah i i agree I, I i'd say nemesis is well worth the money a huge shout out yeah. to paradox for hooking us up with a copy of the game too as, as we round out here that was very very kind it's, of them and i do feel a little guilty because we've I've spent a lot more time messing around with the uh, the stuff that was added as free updates for everybody i had the intention of getting into the crisis and really digging into that system and then accidentally changed my xenophobic empire into xenophilic ones. And it's like, well, now I can't become the crisis. I that, screwed that one up. That was because of the, the, uh, the policies and that thing that you switched around, you said yeah, ten, I was, uh, ten year. I was, I was manipulating, um, living. Standards. I was specifically spending influence to manipulate factions oh. to get more influence long-term. And I, did not pay close attention to the faction I chose to embrace. And I was like, whoops, uh -huh. apparently the power of friendship has taken away your galactic doom. Oops. Heck yes. Uh, yeah, I agree. I feel a little guilty. I feel like I've been very harsh on the, the dev team this episode. My, my All my love and respect. Um, next week, we're actually going into a lot of the systems that we're madly in love with. With it, I really want to talk about the Imperium. I have really nothing but extremely high marks for that. I, I would like to see a slider so that people could get into it more easily. I, I know that the press teams that reported on this literally had to be sent saves of like far progress into the game because there was no way a press player was going to get anywhere near it. You'd have to clock like 24 in-game hours or at least 12 to get to it. So yeah, there's a little tweaking that can be done to make all this stuff just all the more accessible. And I think that's going to pay out re uh, it reap in, in so many ways. I know we've gotten about three or four new players hanging out with us, doing it in the last couple days, playing games with us, asking questions. If you're one of those folks, do not hesitate. Gilded.gg forward slash RPN. It's like a discord on steroids. It's got really cool calendaring features so we can set up these game nights together. Uh, but come in, ask any questions you have, because we're just super happy to talk about it. There are new patch notes and hotfix notes out there to be talked about. Um, there's the 3.0.1 and 3.0.2. So go check those out. Uh, those are the dev diary sort of deals. Anything else before we go, Stark? What else is what else is brewing in your mind? I think that's pretty much it. I will say one thing. We got a, a, a program going on soon here with the podcast where people will be able to share the show with a friend and by like getting a couple referrals they'll be able to get um some cool swag we're working out what the swag is but i really like the company i'm piloting it with one thing so if you're interested in helping us grow as the uh the stellaris emergency broadcast uh, please 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 stay on the lookout for that leave a review we love our five star reviews i didn't i didn't go in and check those out just yet today i need to do that in the next one uh, but we'll do some five-star review shout-outs. Maybe add that. Let me lay up. I'm going to put that right on the list now. Five-star review shout-outs. That way I can't even miss it. It's on our next to-do list. Um, so Imperium, we'll do that. Uh, if you're not in the Gilded, make sure you join that. Consider becoming a member, revelatornetwork.com forward slash subscribe. That helps a ton. You can help us grow. 
help feed me and, and all that great stuff. And uh, if you want to play games with Stark and I, I'm trying to get that together. We just need to convince Stark. We need to lock him in a room so that he has to play Stars <laughs> with us for hours. Okay, Stark. I suppose around in a parallel universe creating all kinds of havoc while you create havoc. Damn warp beasts! Always <laughs> eating my friends! Uh, go check Stark out. You got How to Fight Right. You're up on Twitter, so check out his website. Check out the Twitter account. We both have one. I'm over at Kyle Paranormal. You're at Michael J. Schwartz. Those are in the description for folks. They can find those really, really easily. Our bios are up on the website. So until next week, everyone. Stay safe. Enjoy Stellars a ton. Keep tabs of any bugs you find. Report those politely. Keep suggestions in mind. Um, we would love to hear your thoughts on changes too. So if you want to send any thoughts, Kyle at revelatornetwork.com. If you want to send an email, that'd be the best way to get included in the show. But I would love to hear some thoughts on what's good, what's bad, what's ugly right now. What's beautiful, what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly? Give me all, give me four if you want. I want to hear what you love, what you hate, and what's somewhere in between, because I think we're going to be getting some really nice hot fixes going on. They're going to tweak in some of the, the stuff for us a little better. Don't know about you, Stark, but I have hope, man. Okay. We're going to leave you, everyone. You stay safe. and Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Take care.